Welcome to Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture, a weekly podcast exploring the themes and contours of the weekly scripture readings. For more information about the podcast or to download the companion notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca/podcast. We now join our host, the Reverend Dr. Christopher Seitz. After hearing last week of the woman of valor, the strong woman, the Eshet Chayel in Hebrew, from the last chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 31, I spoke of the clear evocation of Ruth, a woman of valor, who is called by that title by Boaz in the book which follows Proverbs in Hebrew lists, and valiant she is. And track one will turn to her in weeks to come. For this Sunday, we have another strong woman of valor from the Old Testament, and there are many. This Sunday, Esther. The story of Esther, Mordecai, Haman, and the great Persian king, Ahasuerus, translated often Xerxes in English versions, is drawing to its dramatic conclusion in the single reading from the lectionary provided from that book for this Sunday in Track 1. The book of Esther is a tale of intrigue, danger, cunning and evil intention, kingly power and great faithfulness. Esther valiantly risks her life, a woman of valor, to protect her own people, though she could have remained hidden in her queen's rank and privilege. A woman of valor, who can find one? Esther is found faithful. And Haman, who sought to have all the Jews of the realm executed for reasons of personal slight, ends up on the gallows he had prepared for Mordecai, the faithful Jew unwilling to bow down before him. Haman, the fool of Proverbs, who meets his own just end and falls into the pit he had prepared for others. This is the only biblical book in its entirety explicitly linked to a religious festival for which its story serves as the warrant, the festival of Purim, or Lots, is commemorated annually on the 14th and 15th day of Adar, or in our calendar, early March. As the days on which the Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and mourning into holiday. To read Proverbs 31 and then Esther allows the symphony of Scripture to sound forth. 
and so too the psalm appointed for track 1, Psalm 124. If the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel now say. If the Lord had not been on our side when enemies rose up against us, they would have swallowed us up alive in their fierce Haman-like anger towards us. Then would the waters have overwhelmed us and the torrent gone over us. Then would the raging waters have gone right over us. Blessed be the Lord, he has not given us over to be a prey for their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we, Esther, and Mordecai and all the Jewish people, we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The gospel reading from Mark 9, which we have for this Sunday, follows on from the healing of the epileptic and the second passion prediction, which we heard last Sunday. In the former scene, the epileptic's father, you will recall, had explained quite frankly to Jesus that the disciples had been unable to drive the demon out and heal the young boy. So Jesus went to work and healed him. As if picking up from that thread, ironically, in our reading for today, we have John, one of the 12 disciples, complaining about an unnamed exorcist who is doing successfully what the 12 had been unable to do and reporting to Jesus that they had tried to stop him as if the right thing to do because he was not following us. Us. Our Old Testament lesson has obviously been chosen to reinforce the gospel where the same language appears from Joshua, my Lord, stop them, echoing Jesus, do not stop him. Moses has tired here in the 11th chapter of Numbers, understandably from an endless series preceding of complaints and murmuring from the people. He has just, for a second time, seen to the provision of miraculous feeding in the wilderness manna here followed by quails in superabundance. At wit's end, he calls to a sympathetic, burden-bearing Lord to help him. Our lesson consists of a selection of relevant verses from Numbers 11, set up so as to provide the story of Eldad and Medad which forms its conclusion. God responds to Moses' request in his burdened life with the people by having him assemble six elders from the 12 tribes and convening them at the tent of meeting. There the cloud descends and the Lord God takes the spirit from Moses and apportions it upon the assembled elders whose prophesying demonstrates 
their full enrollment as his spirit-filled aid. For reasons not given, two elders were missing, Eldad and Medad. And yet, at exactly the same time as the others, they too received the exact same spirit endowment, and they prophesied in the camp. When the word comes to Moses from a surprised messenger, Joshua complains that the two had not been there with the others. Moses responds in anticipation of Pentecost, would that all would prophesy as have the 70 plus two. The nameless someone casting out demons in Jesus' name prefigures the spirit at work in the church as do Eldad and Medad prophesying boldly back in the camp. It will be enough to call upon the name of Jesus and by God's power watch demons routed in and by his name. John's not following us presumes a restriction not in God's plans and in any event nowhere shown to be a decisive criterion given the Twelve's own failure where this unnamed man has prevailed. Marvelous works in Jesus' name will march forward in blessing and the one working in this wake, as Jesus says, will not soon be able to speak evil of me. Bearing the name of Christ is the vocation for disciples without distinction, as well as those who do not stand in the way, but indeed offer a cold drink of refreshment to any and all doing the work of healing in Christ's name. What follows in Mark is a series of what could appear to be independent sayings. The first two concerning stumbling blocks placed before little ones, the little ones of Jesus, that is, his followers. The stumbling blocks which followers are tempted to set up themselves, and a final saying about salt and fire. The first of the series would appear to continue the train of thought concerning hindering those who work in Jesus' name, and it sharpens the foregoing do not stop him into if one does a severe fate of judgment awaits, millstone in finality. Then the direct direction shifts to followers themselves and the same severe judgment applied to them, the hand that acts in sin, the feet that transport into sin, and the eye that opens the sinner onto wrong paths and wrong actions. From the earliest interpreters on, with rare exception, these warnings have not been taken so literally as to commend self-naming, something otherwise 
strictly forbidden in the law of God. They do serve all the same to warn sternly about hindering actions done in Jesus' name and those that are blocked by believers whose hands, feet, and eyes are the cause of their downfall. And the last in the series, fire and salt as a pair evoke the language of Leviticus and specifically Leviticus chapter 2. Every sacrifice by fire is to be salted. The sacrifice of Christian service in Jesus' name requires purging fire and salt. Salt, otherwise a metaphor for wisdom. Otherwise, it is without effect. You cannot make salt without saltiness salty again. It is good for nothing. And the psalm chosen for this track lines out the true path of service. The fear of the Lord is clean and like salt endures forever. More to be desired than gold. Cleanse me from secret faults. Lift away all stumbling blocks and salt and fire my life. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of great offense. And our final reading from James as the epistle lesson describes as well such a life of salty service. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective as salt and fire. It has the power to lift stumbling blocks. It has the power to bring back the sinner's soul from death itself and will cover indeed a multitude of sins. Such is the salt and fire of Christian work in the strong name of Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed Insights with Sights, the symphony of scripture. For archived episodes and notes, please visit www.wickliffcollege.ca slash podcast. Thank you, and we hope you tune in again. This podcast is a ministry of Wycliffe College at the University of Toronto.